You're listening to Stocks for Docs, a podcast to educate healthcare professionals to build wealth through value investing in the stock market. I'm your host, Dr. Vivetta Lobo. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Stocks for Docs. I'm your host, Dr. Vivetta Lobo, and thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, And today's episode is another informational episode. We're going to really just talk about some nuts and bolts and some financial terms. But I think it's one that's going to be kind of crux and crucial to you as you begin this financial journey of yours, because you really do need to know the, the difference between some of these. And you probably heard about the terms index funds or mutual funds or ETFs, which is uh, pretty popular these days as well. Uh, and you might have wondered really what the difference is and uh, you know why I should care about some of their the differences between them and which one should I choose for myself. Well, if you have any of those questions, this is the episode for you because we're going to go into kind of just simple definitions for all of them. And I'll give you some personal thoughts about which ones I think are good and even particular examples within them uh, of which ones I use or trade into. So let's begin. Uh, Now, before we actually talk about any of this, um, we first need to understand the term expense ratio. Now, it might be pretty simple for a lot of you, but for those that are hearing it for the first time or have not really truly understood what it means, um, I'm going to break that down because it does really matter once you start comparing these different types of options um, in your portfolio. So an expense ratio is really just, think of it as the cost of owning that particular investment. So when you are looking at a mutual fund or an invest an index fund or even an ETF, they all will have um, a line on their, when their description of an expense ratio. And that might be something like 0.03%, or it might be as high as 2.5%. And that's really important to take note of because that is really the cost of what that fund is for you. Um, so let's go through some, you know, a simple example. Um, and I'll even talk about financial advisors because they also charge similar to this a percentage. So if you have an expense ratio for a particular fund that you're looking at at 1%, well, if you think about it, that's 1% per year of whatever your investment is. So if you are investing $1,000, then you know that's not a whole lot. It might be 10 bucks. But say you're investing you know, $10,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars, then that 1% now is becoming a greater and more, a bigger amount. So much so that as time goes on and you are accumulating more and more money because now that amount has grown, You are paying a larger fee year after year, year after year for that same fund. Uh, And that really is taking away from money that you've earned that is now not working for you. So I don't like the concept of expensive expense ratios. And to me, anything over like 0.06 is too much. Uh, And so I am definitely in the bandwagon of trying to keep it low. So to give you some typical examples of what uh, what costs may be. Um, like a typical financial advisor is probably costing something about a 1% fee, 1% to 2% is probably what's typical, depending on the size of the money that you're placing in, in with them. Uh, a mutual fund, for example, can run anywhere from 
0.5 to all the way up to 2.5%, um, which is pretty expensive if you really think about it. Uh, and then index funds and ETFs are, are much cheaper options, and they can typically start at as low as 0.03%. So that's literally pennies, so three pennies for every $100 that you're investing, um, and can go up to 0 0.08, 0.1%. Um, maybe 0.25 as well for the more expensive ones. So that's just your expense ratio. So just always take note of it. It's really important. Even if you've never looked at your retirement accounts, for example, do that today. Go to your Fidelity or log into, figure out your login, get into your 401k, look at the different, the investments that are being made um, within that fund, within that account and look at what the expense ratios are and see if you have other options available to you. Um, and, you know, I can tell you that the expense ratio does not correlate to performance. So it's not like the more expensive ones give you a higher yield either. M a lot of the times, the more expensive ones just do as well as the cheaper ones. So that's not a reason to do it. Um, so just take note if nothing else. And then that's important to note. So that's an expense ratio. So enough of expense ratios. Let's get into what we came here to learn today about, which is the difference between mutual funds, uh, index funds, um, and ETFs. So first is mutual funds, because that's easy. Um, first of all, that was mutual funds came first. This is like going back to the 1800s. And a mutual fund is really what the name suggests. It's when money that people mutually came together and pooled together, and then they make investments. Um, it's convenient because you are now owning, it's like a basket and there's a whole bunch of stocks in there and you're just purchasing the basket, right? So you're just making one purchase as opposed to trying to buy the hundred items that are individually that are within that basket. So it's a bunch of stocks in, in there, or it, it could be stocks or bonds or uh, kind of a combination of things, uh, but you're purchasing the one basket. So it's convenient because you're just purchasing one thing. Uh, often it, it's over 90. I think 90 is the minimum amount of stocks that are in there or, or, or positions that are in there. So it's kind of nice because you're, you know, having a lot of what they call diversification because you're not just investing all your money into one item, which I'm not, uh, I'm not on the bandwagon of diversification, uh, as in, I don't think everybody needs to just have diversification because it sounds cool. But, you know, if you are doing this in a beginner level and you're kind of concerned and you don't want to do the research into looking into individual companies, um, and doing value investing at this stage, then you probably are better off trying to find something that is a little bit broader so that in case one or two of your options, your holdings don't do great, you have the not, you know, 88 that are that you have that are, are that you can fall back on. So it's more diverse. Uh, and then three, um, these are managed by professionals. So when I say professionals, I mean the money managers, the folks that are going to actively manage this. So they actually will constantly pick which uh, holdings should be in there and they'll take out some and they kind of keep it up to date, if you will. Um, and that's what their fee is for. Now, Mutual funds are expensive. They're probably the most, they are the most expensive of the three options we're going to talk about today. Uh, and they typically, like I said, the average cost for that is about 0.5 all the way up to 2.5 even. So regardless of how well it performs, there's a fee associated with it that's being cut from your potential profits that you could then reinvest in the fund or, um, you know, take out for yourself or whatever. 
but you are not going to get it. And then, you know, God forbid you don't do well with that particular fund and you've paid the fees. Well, now you're probably going to lose a lot of money as well. So not the best option. I avoid them for the most part. I really have not invested in a mutual fund for a long time. Um, So that's my sort of two cents about it. The other kind of weird things about mutual funds is they're only traded at the end of the day. So it's not like a stock where you can sort of buy and sell at any point during the day. You can only do this once a day, which, you know, does trading once a day matter versus trade being able to trade in multiple times? I don't really know. I think if you are somebody who doesn't like to see the price go up and down multiple times during the day and you're, you know, per, you know, obviously always glued on a screen trying to see that and it drives you nuts, then maybe this is a better option in that sense. But even then I would tell you not to do a mutual fund and do an index fund, which we'll talk about next. But you know that that's, that's just the way these are traded. They often come with a minimum investment and that could be in the thousands and they often are in the thousands. So if you have 50 bucks to trade, you're probably not going to buy into a mutual fund. Um, so you kind of need to have substantial amount of money to be able to trade into them. And like I said before, they don't automatically don't assume that these are going to outperform a cheaper fund, like a invest or like an index fund or an ETF either because that's not the case. And if anyone tells you differently, they are lying uh, and they're probably trying to get a fee from you by having you invest in them. So that's sort of what a mutual fund is. So again, it's a basket of stocks, usually 90 or over. They can be you know, really large mutual funds, which can even have like hundreds of, uh, of options within them. And they, the key is that they're managed by an investment professional and they come with higher fees. The next option that a lot of people will talk about is called an index fund. Now, in reality, an index fund is actually probably just a type of mutual fund, but it sort of carved out its own niche, I think, over the time. And it really was this guy, um, Jack Bogle, who I think got tired of index, or excuse me, got tired of mutual funds, and so then decided to invent the index fund. Um, And an index fund is basically... Similar to a mutual fund, it's a basket and a collection of different options within it, and you're only purchasing that basket, but there's no active management going on. There isn't a person or people or group of people on the other end that are actively kind of managing it. What these do are pretty cool thought. What they do is they kind of just, it's it's a formula. It's it's almost like an algorithm that it follows, and it will, it'll, um, it'll change or adapt based on how one of the really large stock market indexes are. So for example, if you you can have an index fund that mimics the S&P 500, which is the top 500 com- US companies um, in one particular index, in one particular fund. And so basically it'll just mimic that. And so whatever that particular fund is doing, it's just going to replicate it. And so it's an easy way to buy into that through an index fund or the Dow Jones or something like that. Um, The best part about index fund is that it's expense ratio. The fees is very small, something around the arena of 0.04% or 0.06%, really, really tiny. Um, So it's, it just basically, like I said, it'll, it'll track. It usually has an index fund in its name and it just tracks one of these massive funds. Um, and so that's kind of how you know it's an index fund. 
So when you read the description, when you're thinking of purchasing into it, you want to look at an expense ratio, but then you also want to make sure what kind of fund it is. And if it is an index fund, it will say that it is tracking after the S&P 500 or it's tracking after the Dow Jones or whatever it may be. Um, and so that is pretty cool. It also, like a mutual fund, will only buy and sell or you can only trade it once a day. So unlike stocks, which you can do multiple times a day, you do have to sort of only do this once a day. Um, another perk with index funds is that you can do automatic reinvestment. So say you have uh, an account that you, you that you have an index fund, you can sort of set up through your checking account or whatever, like a monthly deposit where every month you're going to deposit a hundred bucks and add it into this fund. And it kind of happens on an automatic basis. And so you don't have to go in and remember to do this every month or anything like that. It'll sort of automatically do it. And it's a great way to sort of just continue investing without thinking about it and sort of set it on autopilot. So you know that you're doing it, even though you may not remember to do it every month, which I love that feature. And I will tell you that I really think that that might be the number one or number two reason why I have grown my funds because I don't have to go in and do it every month. I think if I had to actively, especially with my funds, my stocks are different because I put a lot of time and effort into my stock practice. But when I was first starting out and I didn't have the time, I was a resident and also didn't feel like I had the knowledge. This was a great way to feel like I was still investing and securing my financial future because I just set up automatic payments. And I think I started off with like a hundred dollars a month and that's all that I did, but it is amazing how that will continue to grow your month after month, year after year, especially when you're not thinking about it, you don't miss the hundred dollars. It's sort of just done in the background. So I love, I love that that is a feature of it. Um, and like I, like I mentioned before, you know, it's low, low fees. So you're not paying a ton. It's not costing you a ton to own an index fund. So that's my pitch for index fund. I really do enjoy them. Uh, if you are looking at index funds, there's a couple out there that are, are a really good one. One, like I like the S&P 500. So the one that I personally invest in is the Vanguard S&P 500 index fund, uh, which is a pretty popular one. You can Google it. I'll give you the description. It charges, I think, 0.04%, I believe. Um, so it's pretty low as far as fees go. And it's it's a good one to have. And then last but not least are ETFs. Now, ETFs, uh, which really stand for exchange traded funds, um, started up in like 1993, I believe. And basically it is similar to what we just talked about. It's a basket of investments, but this is traded very much like a stock. And what I mean by that is that you know, you can get an ETF of you know 50 stocks or a mixture of stocks and bonds or whatever it may be. Um, but you can trade it multiple times in a day. It'll have a ticker symbol. And just like you would a Microsoft or, or an Apple share, you can trade it in the morning, sell it in the evening. It'll, the price will go up and down as the day goes along. You sort of have, you will see it kind of move all over the place, but very much like a stock. Some people find that annoying. I personally do not care. It doesn't bother me that it trades like a stock. Um, I'm perfectly fine with it. I trade with stocks all the time, so that's not an issue for me. But otherwise, it's similar to what we just talked about, the other options we talked about. It gives you that diversification, if you will, because you're investing at least in 50 different companies. ETFs can be a lot smaller in size than mutual funds or index funds, which can be you know, as high as 500 or 
um, probably even in the thousands. This is much smaller. These are usually 50, 60 kind of, so they're a little bit smaller. Um, they also can kind of give you options. So you can trade into uh, an ETF that sort of focuses on a particular industry like technology or finance or banking, kind of, you you know, you can sort of just sector in, or you could do one just like an index fund that will track like an index fund. So there are ETFs that will mimic the S&P 500, for example, or the Dow Jones fund or whatever it may be. So they're similar to index funds really in that capacity. They're just, this is just one that you can trade multiple times a day versus the index fund, but they they probably hold the same companies. Um, and then uh, just like, uh, like you would with single stocks, um, there are, you can get a return with the rising price so that as the price of it goes up, but you would also get dividends, right? So um, you will earn dividends depending on, on, on the companies that you have within it and the yields that they're giving. And you can buy ETFs that are solely focused on high yielding dividend companies. And we'll talk about one option actually that, um, that I became familiar with recently, um, as an option. So if you want to Google that, you know, ETFs with high yield dividends, well, you can do that and you'll probably find a bunch of options and then you can kind of sift through those. So you can sort of focus and decide what you want to tailor your ETF by on, um, towards. Uh, I mentioned that you can sell and buy all day long, like stocks. There is usually no minimum investment. I mean, now you can even buy like half a share. So you could probably just spend a couple of dollars if you wanted to buy into an ETF. Um, you don't need a minimum amount often. The fees for ETFs are just like an index fund. They're very, very low. Uh, you can even go as low as 0.03%. So again, three pennies for every um, you know $100 that you're spending, which is awesome. There's It's a small amount. Um, and again, the performance of these are not any less on an average than something that's actively managed like a mutual fund. So I think these are also really good options. You can often get these now even in your retirement portfolio. So if you go to your 401k uh, broker and try to see what options you have, you probably will have some ETFs. Or you should hopefully have some ETFs within it. You can find ETFs of stocks or bonds, of commodities or securities or whatever it is that you're interested in. Um, you know, you want to pick a silver and an ETF and for for silver, buying silver, then you can probably find that as well. Um, it's kind of up to you what you want to pick. So that's sort of the difference between um, mutual funds, index funds, and ETFs. An ETF that I, or the example that I was going to give you. An ETF that um, I like and I use is the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF. No surprise there. Uh, I am an S&P 500 girl. Um, and its expense ratio is really low. It's 0.03%. So, you know, if you want to get started with an ETF and you have option or access to this particular one, I really do think it's a good option. But again, do your research and figure out what works for you. Um and then the one I was talking about earlier is the, the the high yield dividend one. If you wanted to look into that, look at it. There's um, it's called SCHD Schwab U.S. Dividend ETF, and this one only invests in companies that have paid dividends and has a really good track record for over ten years. 
Um, it has a good rating. There's something called an F MSCI rating, and it's basically, I think, A to A, B, C, and maybe C minus, but that has an A rating, so you know, a really good rating. Uh, its expense ratio is pretty low. It's 0.06%, so pretty small. Um, you know, definitely um, not very expensive. And um, its dividend yield, so the, the the dividend percentage that it gives out is like 2.22%, so not too bad at all. It basically holds about 93 different um, companies within it, um, and it is focused on consumer non-cycles, which that's just a fancy term for things that we use on our daily basis and we'll probably continue to use um, for as long as we can. Uh, and even if times are tough or recession hits, they aren't typically the type of things that we would stop using. So for example, you know, your toothpaste, um, uh, you know, these are just water, you know, these are simple things that we probably will continue to use. So and its top holding actually within its sector is within its fund is UPS. Um, so if you think about it, you know, even in our recent pandemic that's going on, um, UPS and, you know, all of these um, shipping companies like FedEx, et cetera, did really well because nobody was going out anymore. And so everybody was purchasing everything online and e-commerce e really skyrocketed. And so, you know, these are the things that do well, even in tough times, probably do better in tough times. So you can check it out in his example of an ETF. Uh, it's SCHD. So that's the example I have for ETFs. Um, so hopefully this was informational as far as uh, what the difference between a mutual fund, an index fund, and an ETF goes. I really think you should focus in on index funds and ETFs. You know, taken if you already have retirement accounts and they're sort of been in default mode, well, then take a go and take a look and see what you're paying, what these expense ratios are. And if you are in a bunch of mutual funds that are all costing you one and a half, two percent, then it might probably be time for you to be a little bit more proactive and change your options. And like I said, even if you just went into an index fund that mimicked the S&P 500 or an ETF that did that and left it alone and didn't remember, you know, didn't think about it, then you're still in a much better off place. Uh, I think if you can get into an index fund and set up recurring deposits where every month well, you're putting in some more money into it, um, that's even better. So that way you're continuing to invest in yourself and in your portfolio and you're really not spending a ton of time doing so. So hopefully this was educational and it helped you out as far as knowing the differences. If you have questions or thoughts, just feel free to reach out to me, stocks4docs.org um, or through our social media channels. Uh, it's been a pleasure again. Until next week, take care, stay healthy and cheers. Stocks for Docs is a podcast designed to educate healthcare professionals on building wealth through value investing. Take the first steps towards securing your future and listen weekly. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn as Stocks for Docs.